Welcome to the Industries in Motion podcast from RBC Capital Markets, where we take the time to explore what's new and what's next in today's fast-moving markets to help you stay ahead of the curve. Please listen to the end of this podcast for important disclosures. On this podcast was originally recorded on March 22nd, 2023. My name is Peter Dawkins, and I'm the product manager here in London, UK. Uh, and I'm very lucky today to be joined by Gordon Aiken, who heads up our European insurance coverage. So thank you very much for, for being here today, Gordon. Thanks for having me, Peter. And I think this will be a, a very poignant discussion that we'll be having today because uh, I want to talk to you about perhaps the, the key differences between insurance companies and banks. Uh, and given what's gone on over the last few weeks with the, the collapse of SVB, uh, the acquisition of Credit Suisse and, and the ongoing you know, market turmoil, I think it'd be really helpful if we could just step back and maybe discuss what your observations have been uh, with respect to the insurance market while all of this has been happening. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's been quite an event for a couple of weeks and uh, one that really nobody saw coming. So the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank, uh, absolutely um, investors were nervous and you know, banks' shares took quite serious downturns, but you know, insurance was very much grouped into that. and. Really, um, in that reaction in the first couple of weeks, um, the insurance companies um, didn't actually fare really any better than the banks. And I think what we're going to talk about today is that the event that caused um, the events at Silicon Valley Bank and then subsequently at Credit Suisse simply could not happen at an insurance company. And I think to, to pick up on that, th those events that caused that, you know, as I understand it, it's a, it's a, a run on the bank. And so maybe you can just give a high-level overview of, of, of what a run in the bank is and, and, and what that might mean for an insurance company. Sure, yeah, a run in the bank. Uh, and I think we have this sort of image of a sort of tale of customers you know, around the block waiting to withdraw their deposits. Uh, it's, it's not really like that these days. Of course, it's all digital. But uh, you know, that's a situation where customers have deposited money and they want that, that money back. If you think about an insurance company, the event that causes a customer to claim is not one that they choose. It's, you know, you crash a car, your house floods um, on the life side, you know, unfortunately you die. Um, but these are not events, of course, that, that customers can, can pick the time of. Uh, with a bank, it's quite different. If a customer chooses to withdraw his money, he can do it at any one point in time. Okay, so as you've explained it, you know, all of these issues are really being caused by the customer showing up at the bank, taking the money out, and so that's that's a liquidity issue. Uh, why can't that happen at an insurance company? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I mean, the issue that banks, or the big risk that they, they face is liquidity. As you say, um, the actual issue for insurance companies is solvency, and you can kind of simplify those two by saying liquidity is paying the first customer. Solvency, which is insurance companies' issue, is, is paying the last customer. In fact, insurance companies are absolutely awash with liquidity. Um, and I think evidence of that is post the, the mini budget last year when there was this LDI crisis and insurance companies had no problems posting large amounts of collateral which required a lot of liquidity. I think that's a really excellent way of putting it. You know, banks have liquidity issues, insurance companies have, have solvency issues. Um, but maybe we could dive a bit more into that. What, what makes you so confident that insurance companies don't have liquidity issues? Sure. It, it all sort of comes down to matching, matching of every institution. You want the assets to be matched with the liabilities. And with a bank, they think they know the duration of the liabilities. But in fact, if customers withdraw money quicker than the bank expects them to, which is, is what we've seen in this case, the duration of the liabilities comes down very, very quickly. And the assets that they have 
are simply too long for the liabilities. An insurance company, that just won't happen. The liabilities of an insurance company are known week to week. So insurance companies know with huge amount of accuracy what the liabilities will be. And that doesn't change. And that's quite different to a bank. So we've discussed then, we've discussed liquidity issues. We've discussed solvency issues. Um, you know, I think it's probably important that we also discuss credit risk and credit issues because that's clearly played a part in, in what's happened here. So maybe you can walk us through, you know, credit risk for, for an insurance company. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. Uh, insurance companies invest in corporate bonds and credit risk is something that's always on top of investors' minds. I think insurance companies really left, learned a very valuable lesson back in 08 or 09. Uh, at that time, they were overweight banks. Um, and of course, back in 2009, we, we maybe expected some corporate bond defaults, but that didn't happen. Uh, but I think insurance companies still learned a lesson. And, and since then, they've reduced their positions in the banking sector in terms of corporate debt. And now, um, pretty much across the board, they're, they're underweight banks. So, you know, I think we saw with the additional tier one capital being written off, you know, we did see credit events. Um, how come the insurance companies, which, as you said, hold all of these bonds, didn't experience any credit events themselves with respect to the to that additional tier one capital? Yeah, I mean, I think one thing that's often overlooked by investors is the quality of the the, the debt that insurance companies hold. Well, yes, they do hold debt, but it's all investment grade debt. And and if you go back into you know events which have been stressful. If it's 08 or 09, or even go back to 01, but things like uh, you know the pandemic or, or Brexit, um, investment-grade bonds just don't default, and that's what insurance companies hold. In terms of the some of the corporate bonds that have been written down to zero, in, in especially with Credit Suisse, I mean what happened there was there's certain conditions that insurance companies um, need to have those bonds meet in order to hold them. Otherwise, it's just too expensive for the insurance companies. It's all to do with the solvency regime and the regulation that we have in insurance companies. And, and the situation with the bonds that got written down to zero, um, they simply didn't meet the conditions insurance companies required. So insurance companies really across the board did not hold those bonds. Okay, so they didn't hold the, these additional tier one bonds because of the, the regulatory regime. What was it about those bonds or, or the regulations that, you know, resulted in the insurance companies not wanting to hold that additional tier one capital? It's, it's all about cash flows and uh, the, the bonds that we're talking about here, the cash flows weren't guaranteed. They could convert to equity uh, and and that was the problem. So insurance companies to, to, to get this sort of solvency benefit, they needed to have guaranteed cash flows and that simply wasn't the case. It's also worth saying that in, in the situation we had with Credit Suisse, I mean Credit Suisse, um, the credit rating of that company was getting downgraded over the years. And that's another, I say we back to what we were talking about a minute ago, where we say insurance companies only invest in, in the very best credits. Um, maybe they did have some Credit Suisse debt you know, several years ago, but as that was getting downgraded, insurance companies would have sold. Okay. And I think another thing that we should maybe discuss related to those downgrades is, is also credit spreads. and. And as I understand it, you know, as, as the spreads have widened with the, the elevated risk environment, we have seen, uh, you know, obviously declines in fixed income prices. Do you worry about, you know, all of these bonds that these insurance companies are holding with all of these, you know, unrealized losses? Or how should we think about uh, all of the assets that they're holding and that have seen their prices decline? Yeah, sure. So 
yeah, I mean, there is a mark to market on, of course, if you're talking about credit spreads widening, which we have seen over the last couple of weeks, you're going to talk about the value of those um, bonds falling. And, you know, that is going to impact insurance companies with their, as a mark to markets on the valuation. But we're, we're talking about a dent here. And insurance companies, because interest rates have risen last year, solvency levels are all time highs. Another very important point to make is it, it's only a temporary dent because insurance companies hold these bonds to maturity. Um, so ultimately, they will get paid back. Um, and, it's, and it's also worth saying that it, you know, when credit spreads widen out, as, as we've seen, stock markets tend to get nervous. But if you were to step inside an insurance company, you find the management of insurance companies, they positively love days like that because it enables them to go out and pick up yield. Okay. So that, that does tie back to that liquidity issue that we, we discussed in the beginning. And if you're not ever forced to sell bonds, you don't ever have to actually realize the losses on those bonds. So that, that really is one of the things exactly. that you were saying, which is a, is a key difference. I think, Gordon, just given you know the volatility going on, given the uncertainty going on right now, it, it might be quite helpful if you could just take a step back and, and say, if, if you were an investor and, and you were in this environment, what would you be thinking about? Maybe what would you be doing? And, and what kind of advice would you perhaps give to, to our listeners? Sure. And yeah, I mean, the conversations we've been having over the last couple of weeks, um, there's a subsector, the UK annuity writers, and they've seen their share prices particularly hard hit. And these, what we've been telling people is that these are companies where their liabilities are, are very well known. And they know them week to week, exactly what they've got to pay out. And the only thing that can go wrong and with those liabilities is people live too long. And, and, and very unfortunately, that's going the other way at the moment. So that's the liabilities. On the asset side, what the insurance companies do, they buy a portfolio of assets which provides a yield which exactly matches the cash flows that they have to pay out on the liability side. So the only thing that can go wrong there is if one of these assets defaults. And you know, as we were saying earlier, they're insurance companies only invest in the very best investment grade and these assets don't default. I think that's been a, a really helpful, I guess, dissection of, of you know, the differences between banks and insurance companies and, and the, the risks that they face. Uh, is there anything we haven't covered, anything you know, that you might want to add? I, I mean, I'd say comparing banks and insurance companies, of course, is difficult. But if I'm going to look back in time, you know, the insurance sector is not ever in recent memory faced any difficulties. And, and one thing that has improved an awful lot in the sector is, is regulation and solvency. It's got tougher, which is, is great news for investors. We had a new solvency regime introduced in 2016. It's called Solvency 2. It applies all the way across European insurance. And, and since that came in, no insurance company has got into any difficulty. Well, well, thank you very much for your time today, Gordon. And, and I really appreciate your insights. I think it's really valuable information especially with what's going on in the markets right now. So I just want to say thank you very much. Thank you. And thank you very much to, to our listeners and our viewers. We really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to listen to the Industries of Motion podcast. Um, so thank you again for your time and have a wonderful day. This content is based on information available at the time it was recorded and is for informational purposes only. It is not an offer to buy or sell or a solicitation, and no recommendations are implied.
It is outside the scope of this communication to consider whether it is suitable for you and your financial objectives.